You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. That means I might have to shave it if you're starting to like it. (laughs) It's getting itchy. It's getting itchy, and it gets, like, up in my nose, and I hate it so much, but I can't bring myself to shave it off. If you rub a Vaseline on it, it'll help. I'm not going to Shoppers Drug Mart to buy Vaseline. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is Set. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Thai. I guess first things first, I've got a bone to pick with you, my friend. Go on. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Uh, you're starting to overtake me with terrible bad takes, which I'm thankful for, so I would like to say thank you for that. I'm going to do the old Oreo sandwich, Oreo cookie approach here. Except uh, the compliment sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you like uh, the compliment, the the negativity, and then another compliment. Uh, okay. Okay. So good job on uh, overtaking me with the bad takes and saying margarine's better than butter. Because it's fact. <laughs> Secondly, why do you let me fight your battles on Twitter? Because it's way more entertaining. Okay, here's the deal. I like to be a transparent guy. I don't know how you feel about it. (laughs) So you say something on the podcast. It gets credited to me, and then I fight on your behalf, and you are sending me messages on Facebook Messenger (laughs) to tweet back. I'm not tweeting your messages. And then you just stand idly by with your beer in hand, laughing as happy as could be while I get attacked from all sides. Okay, I wasn't texting you to tweet that stuff. You tweeted it out on your own. <laughs> not not one message said, here, tweet this. <laughs> I figure I send it to you, and then that way I don't end up getting angry and saying something stupid on Twitter. And if you want to tweet stuff out, that's on you. Is that why you do it? Because you, you can't, like, restrain once you get started? No, I can't. Like, there was... <laughs> I, I did today because there was a thing on Facebook about the plebiscite in Calgary, about the Olympics, and everybody's yep. like, oh, thank God that we, we're not going to get them now, and blah, 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 and all I wanted to, to reply with was, they can still do it. This this plebiscite was just to get a feeling. You people obviously have no idea what a non-binding plebiscite means, and then I was going to hit send, and then just you know let the vitriol flow in. I'm like, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm just going to wait for Travis to call me, and I'll say something <laughs> stupid here, and he can fight about it later. Well done, man. Like, I have none of that restraint. Like, once I enter the comment section, like the the CFL Facebook page, it's, oh. I stay off of it. I I can't do it. I I try to, but then I can't. Yeah, I, I, oh, it's, uh. it's just so bad. So do you, uh, like, do you want the Olympics to come to Alberta or what? No, because I don't want to pay for it. 
Yeah, you, you. Well, I think we all want them here, but nah, I, I'm not willing to shell out the cash required for it either. No, and if the Flames want a new arena, they can build build it them damn selves. Yeah, I uh, I 100 percent agree with you there. Now we will get attacked on Twitter. If you want to attack yeah. us in person, November 22nd. I guess I better uh, leave you with a compliment. You have a sick mustache, man, and I can't wait to see it at Grey Cup in person. Okay, like sick as in good or sick as in it looks like it's like not in good shape? Sick as in good. Oof. That means I might have to shave it if you're starting to like it. <laughs> it's getting itchy. It's getting itchy, and it gets like up in my nose, and I hate it so much, but I can't bring myself to shave it off. If you rub a Vaseline on it, it'll help. I'm not going to Shoppers Drug Mart to buy Vaseline. <laughs> I do shampoo it, though, and condition it. <laughs> the shampoo dries it out, man. You, you got to do the Vaseline. I, I'm serious. It's, it's a slippery slope to getting shampoo up my nose, but... <laughs> If you want to see the mustache in person, if you want to chirp our bad takes in person, tune out live a week from today, November 22nd, downtown Edmonton at the CKUA building. Tickets are 10 bucks, man. No fees. And we're donating the proceeds to CFL Fans Fight Cancer, the annual meet and greet that happens at Grey Cup every year. This year we're raising a, uh, or they are raising uh, funds for a local organization in Edmonton as we fight cancer. So uh, grab your tickets for Tune Out Live. We're going to have a ton of fun that day. Maybe maybe I can challenge an audience member to a pierogi eat-off with me. I will leave the stage for that. I don't know if I can watch that. Does it gross you out that much? Like I love pierogies. I just can't watch somebody swallow them whole. Why? Just makes me sick. Like, it just I can just imagine them in my gut, and it just makes my stomach hurt. And it's like, oh my god. And then if you're hungover from the night before festivities, it's not going to be good. Which, which is a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> In the Huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out Podcast. Okay, did you have a chance to catch Wally Buono's postseason conference, press conference? I have not, but from what I've read and kind of saw little snippets here and there, it looked like uh, it was pretty emotional. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think of the last time we've seen that from anybody in football, but it just shows, you know, how much he cares about this mm-hmm. game, how much he has given to this game, and now his family gets to see more of Wally uh, as he transitions into the next phase of his life. And I have nothing but respect for the way he's handled this. And he has actually said, it is time for new ideas. My time has come and gone. And. You know, new guys are going to come in and take the CFL into the future. So I love everything that Buono has done uh, wrapping up his time in the CFL. And the only thing that really went wrong was, you know, a 48-8 to loss, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this past week. I mean, we were worried early on in the year that, you know, it was going to be his last season and the BC Lions were not playing up to snuff and they were going to miss the playoffs. Uh, you know, they got the crossover and, you know, it's a respectable season, uh, you know, 
it's just one of those things. The way the way they lost that game, kind of it kind of stings to go out like that. But I'd rather him do that than you know hang on for another year and and it, it possibly of it being worse. Just you know, it, it it was a good season, somewhat of a successful season, uh, depending on how you look at it. I know only one team has a really successful season, but I mean they made the playoffs. Uh, it's a good bounce back year for the guys, and and it's just the right time for him to leave. So the search begins in Vancouver for a new coach, and word comes out that Craig Dickinson, the special teams coordinator for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, is set to interview with Ed Hervey for that position in Vancouver. Now, normally we see offensive or defensive coordinators uh, move up to do that job, but Craig's been doing the job for a while. Uh, I think uh, you can argue he's been doing a great job at special teams, and there's a coach in Winnipeg that moved from being a special teams coordinator to a head coach, and mm-hmm. I think that's gone okay for him. Uh, you know, it, it's still football, no matter what position you're coaching or, or what what scheme, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams you're coaching, it's still football. Uh, to be a coach at that level, you you got to know the game, and, and these guys obviously do, uh, and I think it would be a, a great get. I mean, you can't always get guys with it with with experience as a head coach. It you know life does not work like that. At some point, you're going to get a rookie head coach, and if it is Craig Dickinson, uh, I'm sure that he'll do a bang up job. And you know it's nice to see guys like that. A little bit of you know guys that maybe don't get a lot of uh, credit, so to speak. Like they don't get a lot of time on on uh, broadcasts unless you're Jeff Reinbold. It seems. Uh, they don't get talked about much, so it, it is nice to see them get a little more attention than usual. I like the idea of a Craig versus Dave Dickinson face-off as well, so we'll see if that eventually happens in mm-hmm. the future. And as we stay with the riders, um, pay cuts and layoffs come for the rider coaching staff. And, yes, this does include Chris Jones, and it all has to do with the personnel cap that the CFL has implemented in uh, at the – Beginning of the season, um, $2.7 million, and it looks like 11 coaches per team. So the riders have had to let guys go and cut some salaries to get under that cap. Now, we saw a member of the media going off on the riders for this a couple days ago, but uh, sadly, it's not really a surprise. This was actually talked about in June, it's not uh, blindsiding anybody. Jones said, yeah, I'm not going to walk around here and not take a pay cut myself. So uh, I think we saw it coming. I really don't think people were blindsided as much as some people in the CFL want to uh, believe that that's the way it went. Yeah, and it sucks that guys lose jobs. It's it's not ideal. It, it doesn't matter if, if – yeah, the, the fact that it's the riders, it kind of, you know – People are going to think that's kind of a homer situation, but it, it would suck for anybody or any team. It, it's not what you want. You don't want to see guys lose their jobs. Um, but we knew this coming into the season that teams are going to have to cut back. And, you know, it's not a surprise. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that decisions were made earlier than, you know, this week yeah. about where the cuts were coming and, and who was going to be gone. And I'm sure guys had chances to look elsewhere before the season was over. I, I, I don't think that they wouldn't have let them, uh, you know, search for a job and then, you know, just leave them high and dry. So I'm sure it's a little bit better than it looks, but I mean, we all saw this coming. It's not a surprise. And, and the, I, I like the idea of, you know, trying to even the playing field a little bit because co- the writer's coaching staff for one is 
outrageous and you know they're paying a crap ton of money and it's a little ridiculous but now now you can't use all that extra money now there's a cap it, it's regulated uh you know teams that made all this money whether it be playoff games or uh you know just from gate that could have the bigger coaching staffs are now you know cut back and it evens the playing field a little bit which is nice well the cap might be a reason why we live in a world where Mike Sherman and Kavis Reed have a job and Mark Tressman doesn't. Uh, that could have something to do with it. Uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to fire guys now. Yeah, um, that, that's true. With, with, with term, uh, if a guy has one year left, the team might be willing to do that for one year. Uh, and, you know, there's talk of having one one salary, uh, one retained salary that doesn't count. So if you fire a guy, it, it won't count to the next year and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be pretty in depth when it actually comes out and we and they get this figured out. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be so hard and to to look at a guy and be like, well, we'll pay you you know three hundred thousand dollars to sit at home, and so now your cap, you got to have twelve guys at, at the same price everybody else is paying eleven. So it makes it a little tough to to go through a coaching carousel. The coaching staff uh, changes might be almost just as big, if not bigger, as the player changes around the league mm-hmm. this offseason. Uh, like they did say, a lot of these uh, coaches in Regina were young coaches. Um, and, you know, it's been a criticism of the CFL that the coaching ranks are a bit of an old boys club a little bit. Um, in football in general, really, there's not that much new blood coming in and this just leaves less positions for young coaches to hone their craft before they get thrown to the wolves and a head coaching position so we'll see how this goes over the next few years uh let's stay with some off the field news it does look like the atlantic cfl team will be announced uh, at the down east kitchen party the friday night of the gray cup the name of that team uh got my tickets for that friday night they sold me i want to be there for the announcement in the house with randy ambrosi when they call it the atlantic scooters i mean there's no other way they could go is there no, they, they can't, at the Atlantic down or at the Downey's Kitchen Party. You know, it, it's kind of overrun by schooners stuff. Is well, it not? on the spirit of Edmonton or the Grey Cup Festival website, it says the schooners party. So yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know how big of a breaking news story yeah. this will be. Um, however, if it is not the schooners, I will boo and leave. Okay, some quick on the field <laughs> news. Uh, I know I don't know about you. I'm I'm encouraged by seeing players starting to re-sign here. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Herdman, linebacker, signs with the Lions through 2020. The Argos extend Anthony Coombs and Lyndon Gadosh, and the Riders extend Marcus Thigpen as he says he wants to retire a Rough Rider. And actually, I, I listened to an interview with John Murphy. The one of the head honchos with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization. And he basically said, and I thought he made a good point, that this Alliance of American Football League that's popping up in the States in the spring, they might be looking for guys that fit the NFL mold. And 
kind of that some guys that don't fit the NFL mold aren't going to make organizations here. So while it might be tough in the you know short term to get some guys and the allure of that league might bring them in, I think maybe they won't be hurt as much as it kind of looks on the surface. Mm-hmm. Well, and it you know it was in stuff that I've read about it that it, it the goal is to be a developmental league yeah it is so i mean they're they're gonna want guys there that you know are going to be quote-unquote prospects for nfl teams much like you know the an ahl affiliate is for an nhl team or triple a double a is for major league baseball i I think that you know the the difference in the games and and the different kind of skill i know it's still football but i mean there is a certain skill set to each league uh and, and you know just different even body types uh, for each position. Uh, you know, the CFL game is predicated more more and more on speed, it seems. Uh, the NFL is starting to trend that way, but you're not allowed to play defense in the NFL, it seems, anymore either. So there's that. Um, the one thing that, like you said, you're, you're happy or, I guess, not as worried about the CBA is that these aren't the big money guys that are re-signing. So I, I think we'll see a lot of the, the smaller... Smaller salary guys kind of come through, they'll get done, and then once the CBA, uh, you know, kind of gets a little closer to being ratified, or once it's ratified, we'll see the big money guys sign. Uh, I, I I don't know how big of a difference it's going to make, uh, but it just it is nice to see guys signing. I I just I'm not I don't think there'll be a labor stoppage, but I think money is going to be a big issue for the guys uh, that are waiting. Uh, you know, to get their piece of the pie. Let's talk about this weekend's games. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right. The East Final has the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Ottawa without Ric Flair. To take on the Ottawa Red Blacks. And if you just look at the... I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) If you just look on the surface of uh, what happened between these teams during the season, Ottawa kind of looks like the safe bet here. Uh, They went undefeated against Hamilton this season. 3-0, but on the same, same, same wavelength... It's really hard to beat a team four times in one season. As far as I know, the last team to do that was the Stampeders beating the Eskimos uh, four times in 2014. I believe that's when they did that. Everybody beat the Eskimos in 2014, didn't they? Oh, no, that was 2013. <laughs> they couldn't. Chris Jones couldn't get over the Stampeders hump when he was with Edmonton. Finally did and won the Grey Cup the next year. Uh, Ottawa inside their division, 6-2, while the Ticats are 500. Ottawa at home, 6-3, while the Ticats away are 4-5. and five. Man, uh, when, when you look on the surface here as well, the the turnover battle and the turnover ratio between these teams is a really big difference because the Red Blacks were plus nine on the year while the Ticats were minus ten. And Trevor Harris has thrown zero picks against the Ticats this year while Mazzoli has thrown four against the Red Blacks. They just... When these teams played each other, Hamilton just didn't seem to have it against Ottawa. 
No, it, it was just one of those matchup things where you know Ottawa seemed to have Hamilton's number in, in almost every category, uh, whether it be offense, uh, time of possession, for example, two and outs, uh, you know, rushing yards, passing yards. Hamilton's better than Hamilton in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these stat categories. But when they play each other, it it's not even a contest. Like uh, passing yards are really close. Rush yards really close, but the points. It, 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 Hamilton's defense had no answer for the Ottawa offense, and it, it was just weird. Now, if you look at the way Trevor Harris has been playing lately as well, 76.6% completion percentage in his last six starts. And I think this game is the biggest game of Trevor Harris's career. Um, Everybody is kind of crapping on him, saying that he's not a big-game quarterback. All of this, all of that. And while his CFL resume is growing, he only has one playoff start, and that was last year. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's made it to this point in his career with only having the one playoff start. I don't know if it's fair to judge him off of that one game. Uh, No, it's what we would call a small sample size. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What? One one game, it you know, nobody or well, it's very rare to go perfect in the playoffs in your career. Uh, you know, losses are going to happen at some point, and, and one game, you just get off his back. Uh, you know, they, there's a lot to be said about losing before you learn how to win. Uh, a lot of good teams go through, a lot of good players go through. I don't know if it's actually true. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, it always seems, uh, you know, just a playoff experience in itself helps. Uh, the next year, regardless of whether it's a win or a loss. It just seems like in Ottawa, and I I think the fans, they're kind of up and down on Trevor Harris a little bit, and it kind of seems like the management there don't believe in him all that much. They signed him to a one-year contract a year ago, so and part of that probably has to do with the CBA as well, but you got to think that if he doesn't pull this game through, Ottawa's probably not going to be all that interested in bringing him back next year, and he just might not be their number one pick once uh, the crop of quarterbacks is released for free agency. And, you know, if they do that, they better hope that they get uh, one of those guys that ends up being a free agent because I don't think they want to go in to 2019 with Dominic Davis as their starting quarterback. Because I honestly think Trevor Harris... He's got a good shot at being the Saskatchewan quarterback next year. Oh, man. Why do you do this to me? Well, I hate to bring the Riders into this, but... <laughs> they need something. Because, but the only thing I get worried about is it seems every time the Riders get a quarterback, uh, he either you know goes a little downhill or he gets hurt. Well, who would you rather have, Harris or Manziel? Uh, Russ Jackson. <laughs> the goat <laughs> uh, let's talk about on-field stuff that we've seen at practice so far it looks like defensive back Jamal Roll will miss this game for the Tiger Cats and Terrell Singfield is actually working out as a backup DB at practice so 
it's a unique situation there where the guy gives you, yeah, depth at receiver and mm-hmm. depth at DB. Does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> but, yeah, but this guy's actually played DB, so it's completely different. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Sinkfield was playing DB for the few years he was in the NFL before just coming back a little while ago. Um, the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, it was quite the epic game. It happened in 2015, uh, and actually, Mazzoli started that game because that's the year that Kalaros ended up getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an MOP season for Zach Kalaros. Mazzoli comes in and just about makes it to the Grey Cup, but this is his team uh, all the way now. Um, Delvin Bro missed most of the home-and-home uh, series between these two teams a few weeks back, so he is going to be playing. And do not underestimate the defense or the difference he makes on that defense. If he is able to go this week, and it looks like he is, he is a difference maker in the Ty Cats secondary. Even if Jamal Roll will not be playing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for sure, it's huge. If they can get Delvin Bro back, it totally changes the pass game for Ottawa. Uh, you know, he'll probably match up, I would think, against Greg Ellingson. And, you know, that that's a big body to shut down. I mean, you still you, you got to find somebody to cover Deontay Spencer and Brad Sinopoli, who, you know, had a record-breaking season for receptions. But if you can take away a, a one big play uh, threat, that, that could be huge for your defense. The key, I think, to winning this game for Hamilton is all to do with field position. If you look at the three games that these teams played against each other, which, by the way, the Ticats have not scored a touchdown against Ottawa in 95 minutes of play. Uh, so what you're saying what you're saying is they're due. Hey, you could look at it that way. But <laughs> Ottawa has dominated the Ticats in field position. In 42 offensive drives, the Red Blacks started... Ten drives in Hamilton's own end, while they only started five inside their own 25. We contrast this with the Tiger Cats. One drive in 40 in Ottawa's end, and they started inside their 25-yard line 13 times. This has been an area where the Tiger Cats have struggled all season long, and I think it's part of the reason why they lead the CFL in time of possession. And uh, because th- they need to have the ball for longer because they're getting terrible field position. And the fact that their offense is able to do what they do is kind of why the Tiger Cats are here in this situation. They have the least two and outs in the league at 72 for the entire season. So the Tiger Cat offense, well, maybe they don't put up the most points. Uh, if they had better field position throughout the season, I think you could probably add three or four more wins to the Hamilton win total. I, and they they are also second overall in the league in second down conversions. So you know when their when their backs are against the wall, they get the job done. Yeah, they, there's certain areas where they they excel, and you know uh, special teams just or well the return or you know. Maybe it, a lot of these drives, it could be turnovers as well. You'd have to we'd have to get a little more in depth, but to have drives starting inside your own twenty-five can it, you have to you have to convert two first downs, or else you're not gonna be able to flip any field position, and you're giving Ottawa or you're giving the, the, any opposition, uh, you know, 
they need 30 yards and and they're within a, within field goal range. So for them to sustain drives like they have all year, and like you mentioned, time of possession because they have had to go so far down the field. Uh, you know, in the passing yards, second in the league, rushing yards, certainly they've gained a lot of yards. The points aren't quite where you would want them to be, uh, but you know, winning in spite of where they've started, uh, especially against well. I guess they haven't won against Ottawa, but you know the record, in spite of what it looks like, uh, with the way the drives have gone, uh, is, is pretty good. Uh, but you can see why they're zero and three when you when you're starting uh, thirteen times inside your own twenty five. It's really hard to score points that much. Another key to this game is that the Tiger Cats need to they they need to get a fast start to this game because they're zero and five. When trailing after the first quarter, and they actually only have one win when trailing at halftime this season. So if Ottawa gets ahead fast, the the stats show that all season long the Tiger Cats have kind of struggled in this area. And if the Tiger Cats win this game, it's going to be another hump that they get over here because they have not beat a playoff team this season. And to me, that is an incredible stat. And to win the Grey Cup, they're suddenly going to have to beat two playoff teams. Uh, to win the Grey Cup, they got to beat three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. They already, <laughs> So they beat the Lions. <laughs> yeah, math. Yeah. <laughs> it's like last week when you thought there was only eight teams in the league. Screw you and talking about my math skills. <laughs> Yeah, they, they definitely have to get up to a hot start. I mean, it, what I find really weird is we, how much we talk about William Powell and, and like how big of a part of this offense that he is, how good of a running back he is. Ottawa, dead last in rushing yards in the CFL. That's bizarre to me. Dead last, but he is he is second in the league as, as an individual rusher. Yeah. So he, he is where all of their rush yards come from, basically, uh, you know, just just over 600 yards from from you know probably quarterbacks and and you, you had a game for Moses Madu and stuff. Um, you know if Ottawa gets out to that lead, they can rely on William Powell and they can pound the rock and and you know kill time and it makes it really hard to come back in a football game when you don't have the ball. So yeah, like you said, Hamilton definitely has to score early. Or you know if if they're down seven nothing, they have to score the next possession. They can't go down two possessions because it makes it really hard to come back. The Ticats have not beaten the Ottawa Red Blacks since September of last year. That is only four meetings, so the Red Blacks have a nice little win streak against Hamilton right now. The uh, Red Blacks are three-and-a-half-point favorites heading into the Eastern Final. Brazilian tie, who are you picking? Oski Wee. Whoa. Taking the Tiger Cats. Like you said, really hard to beat a team uh, four times in one season. Uh, the offense... And the defense, all the numbers are pointing towards Hamilton. Uh, I know the matchup this year was pretty one-sided, uh, but I think like over an 18-game schedule, these these numbers seem to bear out. Uh, and I just think that that'll it, it's going to return to the mean at some point. They can't play four bad games against the same team. Uh, you know, they'll figure something out this week. I think the beauty of the final four is that I could see either game going either way. Mm-hmm. And either game being, you know, within a touchdown or a field goal as we wrap that up. Hmm. I, you know, the semifinal team, uh, they always head into the final 
with a lot of momentum because they just had that week off. And the Red Blacks were practicing, sitting at home. But I'm going to give the edge to Ottawa here because of their coaching staff. And you give Rick Campbell that bye week to get prepared for Hamilton. I think they're going to do okay. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to take Ottawa in here to go to Edmonton to play in the Grey Cup, but if Hamilton wins, I would not be shocked at all. Uh, Before we get to the Western Final, saying thank you to uh, Park Power. Uh, They're a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. That is the amazing part of Park Power. When you buy something, you like to know where your money's going. Well, it's staying here in Alberta, and 10% of your bill goes towards charity. So look at that. Two birds, one stone with your money helping the people in Alberta. So you get to shop local, save money, and it's real easy to switch. You go to their website, parkpower.ca. they got a calculator up there. You uh, plug in what you're paying right now. It'll show you how much you're going to save. Parkpower.ca. Make the switch today. It is parkpower.ca. The Western Final has the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Calgary to take on the Stampeders. These two teams split the season series and you know what inside the division both teams were quite mediocre the bombers four and six while the stampeders were 500 the stampeders seven at two seven and two at home while the bombers four and five on the road the bombers are trying to be the first team to win back-to-back road games and make the gray cup since the 2005 eskimos Wow. Was that Machocha's rookie year? Danny Machocha's first year as Eskimos head coach was 2005. So, yeah. So, yeah, now I remember that Grey Cup with the worst possible celebration I've ever seen from a head coach. <laughs> oh, like, man. I thought I, I thought some of my dance moves at weddings were bad, and then you look at that video, it's like, you know what, I'm fine. You're a solid two-stepper, though. Well, yeah, because I have to be. <laughs> what do you mean you have to be? What's your thinking behind that? I, because I have no rhythm otherwise. Oh, okay. So if you do the two-step, you got rhythm. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy. It's two forward, one back. <laughs> uh, let's go through the on-the-field stuff here. Jovan Santos-Knox has not been practicing. O'Shea still calls him a possibility for Sunday. I'm pretty sure if he had his foot amputated, O'Shea would still call him a game-time <laughs> decision. So uh, no, no. We'll, he'd be, we'll see if he plays. He'd be questionable. Crit, he'd be questionable. Chris Jones on the other hand would say, oh, he's probable. <laughs> Put him on the death chart. <laughs> Uh, Adam Big Hill was back at practice after leaving the semifinal late in the game, so Blue Bomber fans will be happy to see Big Hill at practice. As for Calgary, Troy Studemeyer is expected to return uh, to the lineup. Mark and Michelle was spotted on the practice field, but probably won't play. And Devaris Daniels has been practicing after breaking his collarbone earlier in the year. It's uh, unclear if he could play, but now they've all of a sudden got, I don't know how Calgary does it, but they've got themselves some good international receivers even after uh, all the guys ended up getting injured. So they got Chris Matthews, who is a 
I think gotten back up to speed and uh, you know developed a nice little chemistry with Bo Levi Mitchell, Eric Rogers. They're going to play him. They've managed that knee uh, throughout the entire season, and Markeith Ambles seems to be a bit of a touchdown machine right now. So they might not need Devaris Daniels to get back into the lineup. Uh, they they don't need uh, these guys to come back, but you know to have the presence of uh, like a. Uh, veteran like Tavares Daniels could be huge if he is healthy enough to play uh, and you know any the more weapons for Bo uh, the better it seems but it doesn't really matter who they are he finds them uh, but I think with if guys are coming back he'd be a little more comfortable in, in that offense so it seems like teams are undefeated when they're able to have wrestling legends on their sideline it looks like Brett the Hitman Hart is going to be here to rally up the troops and rally up the fans on Sunday. Does that spell trouble for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Um, I would be worried if they were... I'd be more worried if Calgary was playing the Montreal Alouettes for I obvious reasons. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, if I'm the Bombers, I'm not worried. Because I would just bring Chris Jericho with me. Dude, if that happened, yeah, oh, put him I in the line tamer. Done that. deal. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. Oh man! So we talk about turnovers in the CFL, and both of these defenses have dominated in that area. But Matt Nichols has kind of righted the ship from his early season struggles. He has not thrown an interception in his last 109 passing attempts. So <laughs> the Bomber offense is going to want him to keep that up. Both teams tied for first in the CFL with a plus 13 turnover ratio, and both teams light it up. Uh, with points off of turnovers, with the Bombers being first in the CFL and the Stampeders being third in the CFL in that area. And it's like less than two touchdowns separate, uh, and that's you know 12 points separating the Bombers and the Stampeders there. So uh, you don't want to make the first mistake in this game because that's what Saskatchewan did last week, and that changed all the momentum in the semifinal. So, uh, you know, it's like the first mistake that happens here could really uh, change the course of this game. Uh, absolutely, it could. Uh, you know, you get behind the eight ball early, and, you know, both these defenses capable, like you said, of winning a turnover battle. Uh, Winnipeg hasn't lost a game where they've won the turnover battle, so that will be huge. Uh, and like you said, Matt Nichols hasn't thrown a hasn't thrown a pick in 109 passes. Uh, this Calgary defense uh, has shown that we talk about Winnipeg and Saskatchewan kind of being that ball hawking defense where they they just seem to be around the ball all the time. Calgary quietly, you know, tied first in the league with turnover ratios. They can get it done too, and it doesn't get talked about that much, uh, you know, when you're looking at defenses. So early in the year, they were arguably probably the best defense uh, in the league. And they, they they still get the job done pretty well. Uh, you know, first in league in rushing yards against, passing yards against middle of the pack. So, I mean, there's a little bit of room for improvement there. But you if you can't can't take care of the football, it's going to be really hard to win. No matter which team, which side you're on in this game, because both these defenses can make mistakes happen, uh, even if you're, you know, even if a veteran like Bo Levi Mitchell uh, or Matt Nichols, for that matter, these defenses can make them make mistakes, which is something you don't see very often. Now, in the last month or so, that Stampeders defense has shown some wrinkles. 
and some weakness, and there has been some criticism of Devon Claybrooks being unable to make in-game adjustments to uh, adjust to what the offense is doing. And the Stampeders gave up an, uh, an average of just under 139 rush yards a game in their most th- recent three-game losing streak. And they are first place in rush defense this year. So teams all of a sudden figured out how to rush against them. And that was the Bombers, that was the Mm -hmm. Lions, and that was the Riders. If they get Andrew Harris going in this one, the Bombers do, they are doing well. And Andrew Harris on the road this season has been incredible. He's got 12 touchdowns on the season. That is rushing and uh, receiving uh, combined there. Eight of them have come on the road, and he averages 40 more yards a game on the road as well. Somehow, I feel like the Bombers have something special going here, and Andrew mm-hmm. Harris is able to step up in these road games somehow. And, and it helps having the best offensive line in the league. Like we talked about last week, they had sure three does. all-stars on it, uh, which is a little ridiculous. <laughs> um yeah, twelve. Like I said, twelve touchdowns, eight of them on the road. I, I think a lot of that is to do with, with you know you go into hostile environments and, and you have to find a way to get your offense clicking early. And you know he can do that and get you first downs and, and make it second to short. You can get in a little more of a rhythm. Uh, and at home, teams, I, I don't know. It just seems like teams tend to want to make big plays and, and get the crowd into it, keep the crowd in it. Uh, where you know if they can get Andrew Harris going on the road, it, it takes Calgary. Calgary's crowd out of it a little bit and, and maybe gives uh, the offense a little bit of an easier easier time. And we saw how well the um, uh, Bombers were able to control the clock against the Riders uh, last week. On the road, when you just rush it down their throat, you take the crowd out of the game. Calgary, they get loud at McMahon Stadium. They get those cowbells going. It's crazy loud. And mm-hmm. if they're going to be able to run against that defense – like uh, teams have had success doing in the last month, that is going to make all the difference for the Blue Bombers. But you're going up against Micah Johnson. You're going up against Alex Singleton. It is not an easy task. (laughs) No, and those guys will talk your ear off too. Yeah, they will. They'll get in your head. (laughs) Uh, But that being said, if Andrew Harris can, can, you know, start – converting for first downs and stuff and get in their head a little bit. We saw them take some really bad penalties uh, a couple weeks ago and, and, you know, extend drives and and that does not bode well for defense. So they got to keep their emotions in check and, and, you know, stay level headed if they want to, they want to stay in this game uh, because if if they're going to start giving away free plays to this Winnipeg offense, they're going to capitalize. Uh, I like watching the creativity of a Paul Lapalise offense, um, <laughs> I mean, and, and I think part of the reason why the Bombers lead the league is in rushing is because there's so many, you know, hands in that pie. Uh, Strevler mm-hmm. rushes. Uh, they, they give Dressler the ball for carries. He had a big carry last week. Uh, Harris Nick does Dembski. it. Dembski does it. So it's not just William Powell carrying the rock and getting it all done. And uh, like you said, with that offensive line, why wouldn't they take advantage of it? So the Bombers are five-point underdogs here. The Stampeders are five-point favorites. Brazilian tie. How do you see this game going? Well, 
Do I bet with my or do I? Well, I shouldn't say bet because I haven't bet yet. Uh, <laughs> you haven't pick, bet yet. <laughs> do I pick with my head or with my heart? Because man, I really <laughs> don't. I don't want either one of these teams to win the Great Cup. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, that being said, I'm going to take Winnipeg. I just, I just think that their offense. I, it's just on a roll right now, and if Andrew Harris gets going, they'll be really hard to stop. Um, if it ends up being a Winnipeg-Hamilton Grey Cup, I am going to be very upset. Uh, if it's Calgary-Hamilton or Calgary-Ottawa, I'll be happy because I know I'll get to watch the Stamps lose another Grey Cup. So, But I'm going to take the Blue Bombers. Just, I just think their offense is just that, that clicking right now, and I just think that they'll be over, able to overpower uh, Calgary's defense. What's the uh, hate on for a Hamilton Winnipeg matchup? Kent Austin. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. He's sitting at home. He's still there. <laughs> I want a Winnipeg Hamilton matchup if I had to choose because I love the idea of one drought coming to an end. Oh, I, I guess. And I got some good friends that cheer for the Bombers, and I know as a Ryder yeah. fan I should hate them, but I can't. I, I want to see. It would, my... it would be nice. It would be nice for Neely to get a great cup. Yeah, he's a good buddy of ours. I'd like to see the Bombers take it all home, and I feel like they got something special going on here. But mm-hmm. just heading to McMahon Stadium Sunday, uh, the Stamps are real hard to beat at home. Although somehow they lost to the Lions. That Lions team, I don't know what happened to them in the last few weeks. It, it can be done. It can be done. It has been done. I'm going to go uh I'm gonna go Stampeders here. Okay, so we are split. On both games. And that that was not planned. So we're we gonna go one and one or is one of us going 0 and two? Oh, I'm going. You're going 0 2 for sure. <laughs> hey, did you make a fantasy lineup? I did. Oh, actually, what's it look while like? you were talk while you were talking about stats in this game. Okay. So I went off the cuff here. I went. I'm going Matt Nichols and Andrew Harris. Uh, Braylon Addison at only four thousand dollars. Drew Latarski as my other as my flex and the Stampeders defense, uh, mainly because I couldn't afford Winnipeg. Well, and I th- I think the East Final has a better chance of being a shootout. Shootout? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I went Trevor Harris, William Powell, Braylon Addison, Mark Keith Ambles, and Calgary Stampeders. Yes, I did cheat and used uh, some bonus dollars. Actually, I don't know if I did. But, but my, yeah, my remaining salary is zero. Yeah, I must have cheated. Uh, <laughs> 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 What's yours? <laughs> 327. Oh, come on. Invite somebody. You're going to cheat around here. No, I don't cheat. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I beat my grandpa at crib all the time because he taught me how to cheat, so I'll just take that. Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to cheat at fantasy sports again. How do you think I won our hockey league and our football league? Uh, We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. All the other podcasts in the uh, in the network, uh, they've got events going on. Uh, and there's so many podcasts and from people a lot smarter than us. 
I can promise you that. <laughs> That's very fair. Uh, the Epic Podcast, uh, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. It is uh, hosted by Joshua and Grayson, an educational podcast aimed at emergency managers of all levels. So check that out. If you want to be enlightened and you want to be educated, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Again, a lot of people in there, a lot more smarter and ta- more smarter. That just proves that case in point <laughs> that ex- I do I I do have a question about that though of what emergency preparedness like, can, no no I, my preparedness is I wear my winter boots when I drive so if I hit the ditch I can I don't have to worry about it yeah I put um, pants in the back seat cuz I like to wear shorts yeah you're a weirdo though <laughs> um do you think that if we like you know how many songs we know all the lyrics to right Right. If we would have taken that, if we would have used that skill in high school to remember stuff for tests, can you imagine where we'd be right now? I don't know. Where do you think we would be? I I don't think I'd be doing hard labor. (laughs) Well, I'm not doing hard labor, so I guess I made it. I don't think I'd be working outside. (laughs) Tell you that. Yeah, it'd be nice just to sign papers and get paid six figures. That's the dream. Oh. Yeah, that, and that is not the dream I am living. <laughs> uh, buy your tickets for Two and Out Live, Two and Out Live. It's November twenty second, the CKUA building downtown Edmonton. I think Ryan sent us a message on Facebook. He is taking a limo right from the airport to make sure he gets to the show on time. That is dedication. Thank you, my friend, and we will see you at 2 and Out Live, raising money for CFL fans. Fight cancer. It's going to be a great way to kick off Grey Cup Thursday before you head to the CFL Awards with Spirit of Edmonton, or you just want to go and eat chicken wings at the 7-Eleven. We support that as well. well. We're going to do that after Spirit of Edmonton, right? <laughs> Yes, sir. Or maybe may, maybe we'll end up at Shade for the buffet. Ooh, is there a buffet in downtown Edmonton? Well, right across from your hotel. I don't know if we'd eat there though. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's that bad. It is a. It's a gentleman's club. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure they have a lunch special. Uh, Brazilian tie is up on those uh, kind of establishments. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> One of us is married, one of us is single. (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you Monday when we know who's playing for the 106th Great Cup. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.